Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring The Michael McCoy Show. All right. Is this thing on? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Happy Monday, everyone. Hello, November. I can't believe we're here. It is November 2nd, 2020. Can you believe that we only have about 60 days to go in the year? And my God, with the way that this year has transpired, uh, making it this far is a blessing. It really, really is. Happy Monday, everyone. Hope everyone is doing well. Hope you had a great weekend. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM, channel 145, Slam Radio. And um, I'm glad to be back this week. I wasn't able to be on air last week, but I definitely am happy to be back. We got a lot to cover today. Uh, pretty pretty good weekend of college football, so we're definitely going to get into that. Um, we're in week eight of the NFL. Week eight with the NFL, we've pretty much reached the midway point it's a 17 week season so we'll talk about uh what's going on on the gridiron in the uh pro ranks and just because the nba season is over does not mean that we can't talk some hoops i'm going to be joined by my good friend and former co-host of hurricane warning back in my wv back during my wvum days um alex shariari will be joining the show later on to talk about some hoops and he knows his stuff those of you that uh followed the show hurricane warning back in uh well back when i was with wvum no alex was part of the show and then he went on to graduate and um so he joined me to he's going i'm sorry he's gonna join me to talk some hoops definitely some things to get into there with some coaching moves and some draft talk but um what else uh okay well you know what i have something to start the show with how about uh, a congrats to the city of Los Angeles. Big time congratulations to the city and fans of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, they have enjoyed, well, the city has enjoyed their second pro sports championship in as many weeks following the Lakers' 17th title in franchise history a couple weeks ago. Um, the Dodgers, they went ahead and won their what is it? Their seventh, yes, their seventh World Series championship in franchise history. Their first title since 1988 as they beat the Tampa Bay Rays uh, last Tuesday in six games. Um, with the MVP going to shortstop Corey Sager, who had himself, by the way, he had himself one, one heck of a series, batting 400, including eight hits, seven runs, two home runs. A stolen base, 
I mean, that's a pretty good stat line if you ask me. So once again, congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers and the city of Los Angeles where champions are crowned. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the extent of the baseball talk for the rest of the show. <laughs> Everybody knows that I really don't get uh, into much baseball talk here, but anytime a champion is crowned, I think it's it's worth noting. But um, no, really, congratulations to the city. And it, that's a fun thing. Anytime that you have a city that has multiple champions in the same season or calendar year, uh, which had me thinking, like, you know, how many times has that happened or when was the last time it happened? And we've been pretty lucky to experience it over the past couple of years, if you think about it. Um, no pressure, Los Angeles Rams, but, you, you know, the Lakers did it, the Dodgers did it. But I'm going I'm going to go ahead and check this list here. And before 2020, when the Lakers won it and then the Dodgers won it, you had in 2018, you know, the greater Boston area, they were the beneficiary of the Patriots winning the Super Bowl and the Red Sox winning the World Series. Then back in 2004, it happened again. Uh, the same Patriots and the same Red Sox won it. Then back in 2002, you know, uh, the city of Los Angeles won it again with the Lakers and then the, uh, the Angels, the Los, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Remember that? <laughs> and so 2000, you had the New Jersey Devils winning, and then the Yankees won it. They call it the greater New York area, according to this list. In 88, I mean, do you sense a theme here, guys? It's like the North, guys, I should say, sorry. It's like the Northeast and then L.A. That's kind of crazy. But in 2000, well, I already said that one. I'm sorry, 19, uh, in 1988, um, the Lakers won the NBA championship, and then the Dodgers won it again. And then in 86, that's as far as I'm going to go back because I don't need to go back any further than before I was born. <laughs> um, in 86, you have the the Giants when they won the Super Bowl. And then the New York Mets won the World Series in 1986. So that's pretty cool. That's uh, a list of multiple championships in a season, not a calendar year, but in a season, uh, you know, when pro teams win it. So uh, that's a perfect way to segue into the Los Angeles Rams. They had a football game yesterday in Miami, which just so happened to be Tua Togovailoa's first pro start. Big time uh, game for Miami Dolphins fans. They've been awaiting this day. And still to this day, I, I really can't understand why the franchise decided to move in this direction. Like, not why, but why now? You know, you had Ryan Fitzpatrick playing well. The Dolphins were three and three. Um, he was playing well. And so, I don't know. It was just weird. I mean, I get, you know, if you're going to do it, you do it before the bye week, which the Dolphins had a bye week last week. But um, still, you know, it's not like if Martin Fitzpatrick was playing bad. But in any event, uh, number one through touchdown number one of his career on career start number one to number 11, Devontae Parker, at approximately 1.11 p.m., in the first quarter. How cool is that? <laughs> How cool is that? The Finns, they, uh, depending on who you ask, they manhandled the Rams. Really, but not really. The Finns score on special teams, okay, on a punt return. They score defensively on a formal recovery. And they uh, score on offense through the air and on the ground. Uh, I mean, I don't know what the big deal is. I, I do that on my PlayStation all the time. But... They did that in the first half 
for the franchise's first time since 1993. Tua gets his first win against the same team that Dan Marino got his first uh, career win against, which is pretty cool. And so I need to get into the box score because this was a very, very weird game, guys. And um, I'm going to get into that. Once you once once you realize what the box score was, I mean, it's it's scratch your head worthy because the Dolphins without contributions, without a total team effort. You know, we're not talking about a Dolphins win today. We're really not. And so uh, here's a box score right here. When you have that's why I really can't say that the Dolphins defense played well. I mean, you 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 you. Without watching the game, you say, oh, okay, 17 points allowed. But no, uh, Jared Goff threw for 355 yards. Granted, he threw the ball 61 times. Okay, I get it. Um, one touchdown, one interception, but 355 yards through the air. The Rams did rush the ball for 131 yards on the ground. Okay, when you compare that, all right, <laughs> when you compare that to 90 yards passing from Tua Tungavailoa, he completed 12 of 22 for 93 yards and a touchdown, okay? He got sacked once for three yards. Um, Aaron Donald got to him with a with a strip sack, and then uh, it was – he got smacked on that play, by the way, in which after the game he said it felt good getting hit. You know, um, it was a clean hit, but it was a hard one. And so I'm sure Dolphins fans were holding their breath when that happened. But going back to the numbers on the offense for the Dolphins, man, 55 yards on the ground – that's just, woof, you're not going to win many games like that. 47 came from Miles Gaskin. Brita had 13, and uh, Tua ran twice officially on the stat sheet for zero yards. Receiving-wise, like I said, he threw for 90 yards, but the Dolphins receiving, uh, they totaled 93 yards in the air. The leading receiver was, their leading receiver had three catches for 16 yards, <laughs> and that was Miles Gaskin. All right, that's just, wow. Uh, their lone touchdown came from Devontae Parker, who had a grand total of one catch for three yards. But, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy when you look at the stat sheet because, like I said, like, you know, the Dolphins' defense is not like if they play lights out. Without a, co a complete total effort, uh, you know, special teams and defense and just enough from the offense, then, you know, it's a totally different ballgame. It's a totally different outcome, I think you're saying. But, uh, congratulations to Tua. You know, they, they, they got the job done. You don't want to downgrade a win. You, you definitely, and I have plenty experience on this end as a Hurricane fan, you never want to uh, give an excuse for a win, okay? No matter how ugly it is, an ugly win is way better than an, uh, a pretty loss. So, um, again, congratulations to him. But, yeah, it, it was just a weird game all around, especially when we consider the stat sheet. Moving on, uh, because every week on the Michael McCoy Show, we like to talk about the Bill Belichick-Tom Brady watch. And um, to do that, let's talk about the New England uh, Patriots as they visited the Buffalo Bills uh, well, yesterday on Sunday. So uh, New England loses that game 21 to 24 it was a good game it came down to the wire and again if if you were familiar with uh what's been going on with cam newton and how he has been critical of himself he came out and said during the week like you know what i'm not gonna have this starting job much longer if i keep making these mistakes especially late in the game that are con you know that are critical critical mistakes on my end so it happened again you know the bills 
we're up 24 to 21, but New England is driving and driving and driving. And how many times have we seen that? Um, you know, so they're driving and then on, you know, the last offensive play for the Patriots, it's a quarterback keeper up the left side and Cam Newton fumbles it and the Buffalo Bills recover. And that's all she wrote. But this is the first time since 2002 that the New England Patriots are in the middle of a four game losing streak. That's insane. It's the third straight game for Cam Newton in which he did not throw a touchdown, which is terrible for me because he just so happens to be my fantasy football quarterback. I mean, but besides that, like I said, I want to highlight this this game because every week here on the Michael McCoy show, we talk about what I figured to be the most intriguing storyline heading into the year. That being how is Bill Belichick going to fare without arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. How is Tom Brady, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, going to fare without Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time? I said that Brady had more to prove than Belichick did. And so, um, I mean, that's just how I feel. So, uh, you know, New England goes on to lose. Tom Brady has not played his game this week. That game is tonight as the Buccaneers are at New York. They play the Giants uh, one and six, the one and six Giants hosting the five and two Buccaneers. Brady through seven games is 176 of 268 for 1,910 yards on the year. That's good for six in the NFL. 18 touchdowns is good for second. He's only thrown four picks. His QBR is, let's call it 70, uh, to be, to be exact at 69.6. And his completion percentage is 65.7. And guess what? He's 43 years old. <laughs> that's the insane part. That, that's really the insane part. He's, he's doing that in a completely different system uh, that just got a huge addition to their offense. That huge addition being Antonio Brown. Wow. 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 When you consider the weapons that Brady walked into once he signed his free agent tender in the offseason with the Bucks, you figured, uh, you know, O.J. Howard, nice offensive weapon at tight end. Then they bring in Gronk, who has probably been the biggest decoy in NFL history. All right. He's just now starting to catch fire. I believe he caught his his second touchdown of the season last week. OK, but since then, I mean, he's he's been one of the better blocking tight ends all season long. Not that he's not accustomed to blocking because I mean, a guy, his size, and he was used very well and extensively, you know, in the blocking thing, in the blocking scheme, I should say for the Patriots. So this is nothing new to him, but, um, uh, Godwin, he's coming back. You see the plethora of running backs that they have a stable of, of running backs in the backfield that they have for the, uh, for the bucks. You got, um, you know, Ronald Jones is running well, uh, I mean, the, the, LaShawn McCoy, you hardly hear his name, okay? But then, um, you know, they just did every, everything for that offense is working. Then you add Antonio Brown. I mean, we all saw what he did in just a couple of games last year with the Patriots. The guy was lights out. And that was absolutely Tom Brady's favorite, 100% favorite target, okay? And I forgot to mention Leonard Fournette. What am I talking about? I mean, <laughs> all of this, and I haven't even mentioned the most talented running back in that backfield, Leonard Fournette. 
But um, they got it going on, man. They absolutely got it going on. And then with that piece, I mean, you can't double everybody. Mike Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown, tight ends. You know, uh, Brady doesn't get sacked. He gets rid of the ball quickly any chance he gets to. So uh, they're looking good, man. Tampa Bay hosts the Super Bowl this year, by the way. If I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's not like there's going to be a crowd there uh, or much of one. But um, with all that being said, they're not my they're not my favorite to win the NFC. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the Seattle Seahawks. And they are just rolling. And so is their MVP front runner. Um, I was about to say Cam Newton. <laughs> this is in 2010 or whenever the hell he won his uh MVP. But um so is Russell Wilson. Okay. That man is on absolute fire. And I'm going to talk about that and the Seattle Seahawks offense on the other side of the break. Uh, you've been listening to the Michael McCoy Show. Ladies and gentlemen, just keep it locked and we'll be right back. Going to keep it with some NFL talk. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to LowerYourHBP.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. We'll be back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. So that Never one makes stuck. a little more sense. Backwards, not even to get... How do you even, like... Well, hold on. That might be actually difficult to... Para atrás ni para coger impulso. Don't even go back a step, to, even if it's just to go forward. It seems Always like it's a long forward. explanation. Yeah, it's hard it to... It seems like you have to write... It sounds like you're two, 250 words. Explain this sentence. That phrase needs an instruction manual. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, guys, thank you very much for sticking around with me throughout that last break. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. And just like I said, we're going to pick up right where we left off. And that's talking about the Seattle Seahawks. Now, what I don't understand is coming into the year, how everybody was stuck on Tom Brady the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, okay, the San Francisco 49ers. A little bit you heard about the Green Bay Packers, but you heard more about the New Orleans Saints than anything. Those teams were the teams that everyone was talking about as NFC favorites. 
why, oh, why do people act like 2019 didn't happen and the Seattle Seahawks almost won the NFC West, okay? And it's not like if they haven't had a decent offseason. It's not like if they've been, it's not like they haven't been making, uh, def, you know, defensive additions to their team. I mean, Jamal Adams, hello. Uh, I, I don't understand. They have Russell Wilson, a guy that's never even received a first place vote for MVP throughout his career, which I find ex- extremely strange, extremely just weird. But I don't understand why that team was just left out of the NFC of the NFC Championship talk. I don't get it. They're only sitting at six and one right now, being undefeated at home after beating my San Francisco 49ers 37 to 27 the NFC champions, all right? Niners are now four and four and three and one on the road. But I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Russell Wilson has himself a day going 27 of 37 uh, for 261 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, he's playing out of his mind. Uh, DJ Dallas was all over the scoring, uh, was all over the scoring sheet. He comes through scoring a touchdown in the air, and on the ground, leading the way for the uh, for the Seahawks with 41 rushing yards. And like I said, he did grab a, a receiving touchdown. Uh, he had 17 yards through the air. DK Metcalf, that guy needs to get in shape. I'm telling you, man, that guy, well, once he gets in some good shape, then maybe we'll be talking something. <laughs> but listen, 12 catches for 161 yards, okay, two touchdowns and his long of 46 yards. That guy is a machine. Probably the closest thing to Calvin Johnson that we've seen in a long, long time. And so uh, these guys are rolling. And just to think, Antonio Brown almost signed with them. Just think about that, how unstoppable they would be if that, you know, if that happened. Uh, You're talking about a team with Greg Olson, uh, a lot of former Hurricanes on this team, by the way. Greg Olson wasn't targeted. Well, he was targeted four times. Didn't come. Didn't register a, a catch uh, yesterday. But DJ Dallas, Greg Olson, Travis Homer. Oh my God, uh, the Seahawks are doing it, man. They're doing it, and Russell Wilson is acting like he's he, he's he's playing seven on seven out there with no pass rush. Uh, definitely my. Uh, favorite right now to win MVP if the season ended today. Uh, let me go over really quick what his numbers are. I have it pulled up here in my notes. And um, on the year so far, like I said, he is my MVP front runner. And if he isn't yours, then I, I don't know who else is. But uh, after yesterday's win, he has the best win percentage after an in-season loss amongst quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era. He's only 32 and eight, okay, and um, which is good for uh, 800, okay, an 800 uh, winning percentage. Brady is second on that list with a 787 win percentage, and then Joe Montana is third on that list with a 767 win percentage. But on the year, Russell Wilson has thrown for 1,890 pass yards, uh, which is good for eighth in the league. 22 touchdowns through the air which is first six interceptions a qbr of 82.6 which is good for third but this is my favorite stat for russell wilson so far this year he is completing 71 percent of his passes that's insane 71.2 percent of his passes all right 
like I said yesterday, he threw for 261 uh, and four touchdowns. And let me tell you something, another thing about Russell Wilson. He does an absolutely magnificent job of spreading the ball around. Yes, he does have a favorite receiver, but it's not like if that's the only guy he targets. I get it. DK had 12 catches uh, yesterday. But get this. Yesterday, uh, with with teammates that have that had, I should say, 10 receptions to go along with 150 uh, receiving yards and two touchdowns, okay, in consecutive games in NFL history, uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are the last to do it. They did that yesterday, all right? Uh, two years ago in 2018, Travis Kelsey did it with Tyreek Hill for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And in 2007, Anquan Bolden did it with Larry Fitzgerald. So, and by the way, I'm not that smart. That came from the Elias Sports Bureau, which I got from ESPN, <laughs> watching ESPN. So I thought I should share that. But he spreads the ball around, man. And like I said, Greg Olson was targeted four times yesterday. Uh, this is a team, I think they're, they're the most scariest team in the NFL. Um, I know Pittsburgh is the lone undefeated team in the league, and we'll talk about them in a little bit. But this team, if you look, if there is a minute left on the clock and you're up by six, be worried because that means that Russell Wilson can win you the game. Will come win his team the game. I've seen them do it over and over and over again. Remember, I'm a 49ers fan, and there's nothing worse than Russell Wilson with enough time on the clock towards the end of the game and the ball in his possession. It's just not cool. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Michael McCoy show on Sirius XM channel 145 slam radio. So yeah, uh, you know, the Niners go down yesterday and you know, that's, that's how that goes. So um, let's see what else, man. What other game did I want? Well, you know, since I already started talking about the MVP conversation, I might as well just go ahead and finish it out. So, if they were up to me, you know, these are the guys that are in my MVP picture. I already talked about Russell Wilson, and he's my front winner. He, I'm sorry, my front runner. Uh, he won yesterday. Aaron Rodgers, in his second straight loss, threw for uh, 291 yards on 27 of 41 passing. He did have three touchdowns. On the year, he's thrown for 1,657 yards, which is good for 15th in the league. 17 touchdowns is good for third with a QBR of 83.5, which ranks second amongst all quarterbacks and a very nice completion percentage of 65.9. All right. So that's, that's where the Packers are. And I'm sorry, that's where Aaron Rodgers is in terms of MVP talk. I'm going to go ahead and rank them, but I want to finish, you know, with the, with, with the individual, with the individual numbers on these MVPs. And then I'll get into some standings later. But um, he is coming off of his second his second loss in as many weeks as they lost to the Bucks last weekend on the road. They were at home yesterday losing to the Vikings. Uh, Josh Allen is having himself a nice second year. Uh, they won, I'm sorry, not they, but the Bills won. They beat the Pats. We talked about that earlier. He has 2,018 passing yards in the NFL, which is fifth in the league. 16 touchdowns is tied for fourth with four interceptions and a QBR of 80.8 with a completion percentage of 67.6. He's doing a good job leading that team. I can't lie. Um, in terms of uh, where he ranks in the MVP, like I said, on my MVP list, I'll get into that later. But the Buffalo Bills are finding themselves 
they're learning how to win close games. And with a defense that's pretty much middle of the road, not exactly where they were last year because they were one of the better defensive last defenses last year, they slipped some this year. But this Josh Allen stuff came out of nowhere. It really has. And it's good to see because we're getting to that point where we're going to we, – we need to see the next wave of great quarterbacks. You know, Brady's on his way out. Breeze is on his way out. Phillip Rivers is on his way out. So the Lamar Jacksons, the Pat Mahomes, the Josh Allens, uh, these guys, they're, they're you know, even Aaron Rodgers, he's 36 years old. So, you know, we'll see. He has a few more years left. Russell Wilson isn't a spring chicken either. So we'll see. Um, Patrick Mahomes, he's another guy on my MVP list or on everybody's MVP list, I should say. He's also coming off a win. But who isn't after paying, playing the New York Jets? Get this. Five passing touchdowns, right? He had five passing touchdowns yesterday. He's a sixth player in NFL history with multiple games of 400 passing yards and five touchdowns. That's kind of crazy. He is the first player with 20-plus passing touchdowns and one or none interceptions, zero interceptions, in the first eight games of a season in NFL history. All right? He finished 31 of 42 yesterday with 416 yards. Like I said, five touchdowns versus the Jets. And speaking of the Jets, I mean, wow. This is, you're, this is if you're sitting down, stand up so you can sit back down again, especially if you're a Jets fan, because I think you're going to need a chair. Uh, Mahomes had five touchdowns yesterday, right? The Jets have four touchdowns in the air this entire season, all right? Mahomes did it yesterday on 42 passes. The Jets have four touchdowns on 270 passes. The good news for the Jets is, well, I mean, I'm trying to be optimistic, but there really is no good news. <laughs> I mean, you might get the first overall pick. Even with that being said, there's no guarantee that Trevor Lawrence comes out. If I'm Trevor Lawrence and I see that the Jets got the first pick, I am coming back for my senior season. How about that? Because it's just, wow. That team needs a complete makeover. But on the year, Patrick Mahomes, 1,899 passing yards, registers for seventh in the league. 16 touchdowns is tied for fourth. One interception so far this season with a QBR of 86.4, all right, um, which is first in the NFL on a completion percentage of 65.7. Wow. Just Wow. Okay, their lone loss coming against the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, a team name that I'm still uh, not used to saying. I, I I can't stand that. There's a pro football team in Las Vegas, but it is what it is. Or a pro sports team in Las Vegas. To me, there's just, sports just doesn't belong in that city. I, I get it. People gamble on sports. Why not have it in Las Vegas? It's the perfect. No, no, no. To me, that's not a sports town. It's not a sports town. It's just. I mean, imagine going to a game there. Like, it's a city full of tourists. So you imagine going to a, a, a Raiders game. Where's the home field advantage? You're going to have everybody wearing, you know, different jerseys. And I don't know, man. I just thought that was a bad idea from the get-go. But um, let's see here. Henry, he's on my uh, – Derrick Henry, he's on my MVP list. You know, the the – the Titans are coming off of a loss, and um, but Derrick Henry individually, he's first in rushing attempts this season in the NFL with 143. 
He's first in rushing yards with 663, uh, good for 110 per game. He's tied for second in rushing touchdowns with seventh, and he's averaging, I'm sorry, with seven, yeah, and he's averaging 4.6 yards per carry. His longest is 94 yards. Uh, his season high is 212 on the year, which came only two 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 weeks ago against the Texans. And uh, in yesterday's performance, he carried the ball 18 times for 112 yards and a touchdown, his longest of 21 yards. Probably a long shot that we see a running back win it. This is normally a, a, a an award that's uh, that's uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That's reserved for quarterbacks. But I mean, we've seen stranger things happen. We did see Lawrence Taylor back in the day win uh, MVP as a defensive player. We've seen a kicker win MVP in the 80s as well. So I mean, hey, uh, stranger things have happened. But if in, ter in terms of my rankings of how I rank these MVPs, if the season were to end today, Russell Wilson, flat out number one, gets my MVP vote. Period. Second. I'm probably going to give that one to – I'm going to give it to Pat Mahomes. I'm going to give it to Pat Mahomes because he's just playing insanely well. And, I mean, there's just – I mean, what else is to say about him? You heard me talk about the numbers that he's putting up. And, you know, it's just that simple. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I think, I, I think I'm going to have him, have him third because everybody was talking about the lack of help that he had going into the season in terms of receiving options. And, I mean, you couldn't tell by the numbers that he's putting up. Like I said, um, 17 touchdowns, only two interceptions. And maybe Green Bay knew what they were doing all along by not drafting more weapons for him and drafting his uh, successor in Jordan Love. So we'll see. But he's third. And I'll tell you what, I got Travis, I'm sorry, Derrick Henry ahead of uh, Josh Allen. And I think for me, it's because he, I think he means more to his team than Josh Allen does to the Bills. I know Josh Allen is a quarterback, but um, he has he has he he has a pretty decent decent defense. And I know uh, you know Derrick Henry has the Titans defense, which is great, but he's a running back. He's a running back, and Josh Allen is is a quarterback. Uh, one of two positions that sees the uh the ball has his hands on the ball every play of the game and even that's not accurate because sometimes you know late lately you've seen a lot of quarterbacks going out uh you know into the flanker position out, out at receiver and you know it's like a direct snap so really the center is the only position in football that touches the foot that touches the ball every snap of the game but um yeah man i i think henry's doing i think he means more to his team OK, I don't think that you see the same successful Titans if he gets hurt. All right. And yes, the same can be said for Josh Allen. But the reason I have him behind uh, Derrick Henry is because of the fact that he's a quarterback and he's going to get the benefit of the doubt, period. But Henry, man, I mean, uh, that guy is just I mean, he, he could go over 2000 yards. He could go over 2000 yards if he keeps up what he's doing right now. And really quick, just to. To recap the standings on the year for the NFL, uh, atop the AFC East, you got the Bills at six and two, and then the Dolphins are in second place at four and three, with the Pats at two and five. You got the Jets winless at zero and eight. The Pittsburgh Steelers are atop the AFC North, the only undefeated team left in the NFL. The Ravens they just finished beating them. They're at five and two, and then you got the Browns at five and three. The Bengals just won yesterday. They're two and five. 
AFC South, you got the Titans at uh, five and two, tied with the Colts for first place. Uh, the Texans are one and six, and the Jaguars round out the bottom of that division. The AFC West, you got the Chiefs seven and one, Raiders four and three, Broncos three and four, and the Chargers at two and five. The NFC East, have you ever seen a worse division in all of pro sports? I mean, you had the Eagles and the Cowboys playing for first place, and none of them were at 500 or above yesterday. The Eagles are atop that division three, four, and one. I don't even want to go through the rest of the division because it's a joke. The NFC North, the Packers are top at five and two, followed by the Bears five and three, the Lions at three and four, the Vikings at two and five. The NFC South, you got the Bucks and the Saints at five and two, the Panthers at three and five, and the Falcons at two and six, and then the NFC West, which is easily the most competitive division in the NFL. You got the Seahawks sitting at six and one, the Cardinals five and two, the Rams five and three, and the Niners, the defending NFC champions at four and four. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be back on the other side of this break. So just keep it locked here. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on SiriusXM Channel 145. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show only on SiriusXM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. 180 over 111 and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You and I. Well, you, have to, you forgot that. Oh, the two of us, we're building castles in the sky, just the two of us. Go. You and I. There you go. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, guys, we're back. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. We are keeping it football-centered here as we shift from the pros to the quote-unquote amateurs. Get it? Quote, unquote, amateurs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what? Before I go ahead and transition fully, I want, there's a stat, a very interesting stat that I wanted to, that I left out in error. So I talked about the Dolphins game and how crazy of a, of a game that was. If you looked at the box score, you're thinking, wow, Miami probably got slaughtered. Well, yesterday apparently was the, the day for that because in the Pittsburgh game, again, they went ahead and they beat the Ravens. Uh, with Pitt remaining the only undefeated team in the NFL, but they rallied from being down by 10 points on the road, and they win at Baltimore by the final tally of 28 to 24. This was the interesting interesting stat that I, I forgot to leave out in the last segment, is that Big Ben threw the ball 32 times yesterday. Normally, you get 
that high up in passing attempts, you are at least, at the very least, 200, maybe 250 passing yards. Definitely at least 200. He threw for 182 yards. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I mean, the defense did help his cause. Uh, they forced two turnovers. And, um, and they, you know, they had a defensive touchdown. But even still, they... The, the Pittsburgh Steelers as a team ran for 48 yards, and they only had 221 on the day. So, I mean, what can you say? Great teams find a way to win, <clears throat> and that's what they did yesterday. So, moving on to the college football ranks. Pretty good weekend of college football. Saturday was Halloween. Um, not so scary stuff, not so creepy things happened. But I'll tell you what. Uh, it was a five-year anniversary of Miami at Duke and that crazy ending to the game where there was like nine laterals, I think, and Miami wins that one. And um, people are still thinking that Miami should give back that win, which is absolutely incredible. I mean, let, let me not get started on that one. But the biggest story of the day was that the best quarterback in the country and Heisman frontrunner Trevor Lawrence was unavailable on Saturday because of a positive COVID test. So let's start there. Um, Clemson, they're at home. They escaped with victory against the Boston College Eagles. But the first thing that came to my mind after, you know, realizing what just happened is that is Clemson another UF in the sense of the following? Um, when Trevor Lawrence is gone, are they going to look like the Gators did when Tebow left? I mean, that's the first thing I thought of, all right? We all saw how the Gators program came crashing down to earth after Tebow left. And on Saturday, Lawrence didn't play, like I said, due to him sitting because of a pot of positive COVID test. But Clemson did not look like Clemson, all right? They didn't look like Clemson, even though DJ Ugalele, and I hope I pronounced it correctly, even though DJ Ugalele, uh threw for over 300 yards in a comeback win, over BC at Death Valley. They were down by 18 points. Now, I've been saying for several weeks, guys, that uh, that Clemson is not the best team in the country. And Clemson fans got upset about the tweet. I don't know why. You still would have the second best team in the country. Like, get over yourselves. But, you know, they got offended. But to me, Bama is the best team in the country. They're the best team in the country. Yes, Clemson won the game. All right? Yes, Lawrence's successor played well. But to me, it isn't plug and play. It isn't plug and play with them as it is for Alabama. All right. Uh, plug and play at the actual position at quarterback. Yes. Because like I said, Ugalele came in. He went 30 of 41. He passed for 342. Two touchdowns. 73% of his passes were completed. Great. All right. But to me, Plug and play is everything picking up from where it left off and everything staying exactly the same, running smoothly as if the same guy was running the offense, all right? And this wasn't this wasn't a game in which, you know, the offense was the problem, at least not the passing game was the problem, okay? Um, but to me, that's, 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 that's what plug and play is. Nothing is there's you don't miss a beat anywhere on the field all right and uh i feel trevor lawrence is the most important guy on that team all right many a lot of people say travis atn and i don't know how but boston college clearly clearly wanted to take away the run game 
and make that freshman, DJ Ugalele, prove that he could throw the ball, all right? Uh, BC did that by limiting the Clemson rushing attack, which averages 166 yards per game, all right? They, they held him to 106. ATN had 84 yards on the ground. Ugalele had 25. And I get it. You know, you, you take what the defense gives you, all right? And I'm talking about Ugalele as a quarterback. You take what the defense is giving you, and it's only one game, all right? Clemson, uh, you know, they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't have their best game. It's only one game, but like I said, talking about the Steelers, this is what great teams do. They find a way to win. They find a way to win, and um, we'll see. But that one game is actually going to turn into two games because Dabo Sweeney announced in the post-game presser that Trevor Lawrence will not play next week, this Saturday, versus Notre Dame at South Bend. Uh that's 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 gonna be big. This is gonna be DJ Ulele's first road start and second overall. So we'll see how that happens. But um Clemson comes back after trailing by 18 to win. Like I said, that's what great teams do. They find a way. Uh, it's never easy with a bullseye on your back. It's just that I explained I expected Clemson to respond to Ugalele's first start the same way that the Finns responded to Tua's first start. And they did it. They almost lost. They were down 18 at home, all right? And, I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it. It was it was an impressive comeback win, and you should be excited about that. But it's not the way that they were supposed to win, especially at home, all right? That's, that's, that's how I saw it. If that's not how you see it, then that's absolutely fine. But that's the way I did, and you're listening to my show, so that's what we're going to stick with. <laughs> but let me go into the box score really quick. Um, because, like I said, uh, Lady had himself a day, 30 of 41 for 342 yards in the air, good for two touchdowns. He also had a rushing touchdown, uh, so three touchdowns in total for the freshman. He had 25 yards on the ground. Travis ATN toed to the rock. 20 times for a grand total of 84 yards on the ground. His long was 17, but get this, he was also the Tigers' leading receiver at 140 yards in the air on seven receptions. He also had a touchdown. Uh, Cornell Powell, 11 catches for 105 yards. Amari Rogers, seven catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown. And um, for BC, uh, Phil Jerkovich, their quarterback, went 12 of 24 for 200 yards and two touchdowns, and their rushing game was pretty much non-existent. Uh, they totaled 67 yards on the ground. Their leading uh, running back was Travis Levy. Uh, 10 carries for 40 yards. Uh, moving on, there because there were <laughs> other games in the land of college football. Uh, let's see here. Oh, man. I, how do I start talking about the Notre Dame fighting Irish? It's, it's hard to do so, but I'm going to do it. Uh, Notre Dame... Like I said, they're going to go ahead and host the number one team in the country, the Clemson Tigers. Uh, Notre Dame is undefeated and ranked fourth in the nation. They handled business on the road, all right, as they should, in Atlanta against uh, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. They won 31-13. to 13. Um, They're coming into Clemson having allowed 23 points in their last three games. So their defense is rolling. <clears throat> they're allowing 10.3 points per game on the year, which is good for fourth in the nation, 267 yards per game, which is six in the nation, 
173 passing yards per game, which is good for ninth in the nation, and nearly uh, 100. I'm sorry, and nearly 94 rushing yards per game they allow, which is good for eighth in the nation. Their defense, like I said, is rolling, and their offense is the same thing that's advertised every single year. Okay. Uh, and by that, I mean that they say that they have the best offensive line in the country, that's NFL ready, but anytime they play an athletic defensive front, they're going to get exposed. Uh, ask Miami in 2017. I was at that game, and I think Miami just scored again. Um, but in any event, that's that's what Notre Dame is every year. And I said a couple weeks ago on the show, Notre Dame reminds me of that high school football team that doesn't play anybody, Okay. And they're very well coached and they have just enough athletes to get by. That's Notre Dame. That's Notre Dame. They're overhyped every year. They make me sick, if you couldn't tell. And they get the benefit of this Notre Dame national bias. And I don't understand why. I don't understand why. But I do think they get rolled on Saturday. At least I hope. All right. Um, at least I hope. Uh, when Clemson visits South Bend, but it, it's going to be a battle of, of, of strengths, like best on best. As Clemson's high-powered offense, you know, they're going to face off against a, a stingy Notre Dame defense. And for me, it's simple in this game. By the way, you're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. But for me in that game, it's simple. If Notre Dame gets down two touchdowns and they have to throw, then it's going to get ugly. Because, yes, their passing game is looking a little bit better with Ian Book, but that doesn't that doesn't do it for me. It just doesn't do it for me. All right. Um, if they become predictable, it's 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 not going to be pretty. It's just that simple. And um, on the flip side, Clemson's defense hasn't been playing extremely well. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. And but get this. Get this. I present to you, ladies and gentlemen, I think this is going to be pretty interesting. I present to you a list of teams that have better passing attacks than a Notre Dame passing offense. And this is exactly why I say if they get behind, watch out. The Liberty Flames. Woof. The University of Texas of Apostle Miners. The Louisiana Raisin Cajuns. Yeah. Um, who else? South Alabama. Okay, Coastal Carolina, Arkansas State, Troy, Georgia Tech. Okay, listen, I could have kept going, but I have, you know, I, I don't have all segments to rattle them off, but you get my drift. If they become predictable, then we're going to see them get boat raced by a freshman, freshman quarterback or not. Okay, they're going to get they're going to get boat raced. I mean, we've seen stranger things happen. This is why they play the games. I get it. But, um, and like I said, it should be noted that Clemson's defense hasn't looked all that great in, you know, in recent weeks. And they are banged up. They'll be missing their starting linebacker, James Skalski. And they hope to have Mike Jones Jr., which is another linebacker, and uh, defensive tackle Tyler Davis for Saturday. Their status is up in the air. Um, let's talk about really quick, and I got to hurry up and wrap things up. A couple of notes I want to talk about. Michigan, man, you know, I, I, I like Michigan a lot as a Niner fan, uh, especially rooting for Jim Harbaugh. But even before he took the reins over there at uh, at Ann Arbor, I just, for whatever reason, I love that program. I like their colors. I don't know. I like what they stand for, their style of play. But they lost another game under Harbaugh, which they should have won. Michigan is now 1-6 at home versus Ohio State. 
and Michigan State in the Jim Harbaugh regime. Um, remember that game in 2015 when the number seven Michigan State Spartans, uh, they go into the big house and they got lucky to come out with a victory, beating the then uh, 12th ranked Wolverines on a punt fumble with 10 seconds left in the game on fourth and two. Michigan was on Michigan State was on the 47. Well, actually, no. Yeah, Michigan was on the Michigan State 47 yard line. Michigan went to punt. Like I said, it was fourth and two. The punter fumbles a snap. It was a low snap, but clean enough to field. Um, he picks it back up, but by that time, the Michigan State defenders and the special teams were hitting him. And so the special teams unit, somebody picks it up, and they run it back for the game-winning touchdown, and they win 27-3. to The heartbreak. My God. That's the kind of luck that Jim Harbaugh has over there. Um, Oklahoma State, they lost. They lost to Texas at home, 41-34. to This is Texas's first top 10 road win since 2010 what is up with texas i can't figure them out neither can you um they lose games they're supposed to win they win games they're supposed to lose i don't know um but i want to talk about ok state because they were probably the big 12's highest the last chance to make the college football playoff they were the big 12's highest ranked team at six and now that they've lost they're down to 14 in ap and 12 in the coaches poll um, the chances of a Big 12 team in the CFP are slim to none. It can happen, but they're going to need a lot of uh, help ahead of them. Uh, they're going to need a lot of teams ahead of them to lose big. And they still have to play Oklahoma. So imagine if Oklahoma wins that game. Now they're probably going to be ranked ahead of Oklahoma State. All right. Um, there's never been a two-loss team in the playoff. So we'll see what happens there. At that point, OU already has two losses. And if they beat Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State will have two losses. But um, since the inception of the college football playoff, there have been – it's only been two times that a Big 12 team was left out. And I have in front of me – I went to the CFP website. So here it is. In 2015, since the, since the inception of the college football playoff, 2015 was – the first year that a Big 12 team was not seen in the Final Four. Uh, that year, Alabama was one, Oregon two, Florida State three, Ohio State four. The national championship game, Ohio State beats Oregon 42 to 20. And then in 2017, it happened again when Alabama was one, Clemson two, Wa I'm sorry, Ohio State three, and Washington was four. The national championship in that game was in Tampa when Clemson beats Alabama on the last uh, – offensive drive of the game for for Clemson so um yeah the Big 12 may be out of it man which opens the doors for maybe the Pac-12 or whoever else but um that's pretty much it man I got some other things to talk about I wanted to talk about uh the rankings a little bit but um I'll kind of roll that over to the next segment going to talk some Hurricanes football and then we'll wrap the show up with some NBA talk with Alex when he joins the show so uh, we'll be back on the other side of the break, ladies and gentlemen. You've been listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show only on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. 
text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, it, look, if they pick up Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking, I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't. You I don't call know. him that, I call him Tunga Vailoa, whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. So take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Okay, and we're back. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Thank you for uh, sticking with me throughout that last break and throughout the entirety of the show. If you have, if you haven't, uh, we were talking about some NFL football in the first couple segments, some MVP talk. Uh, Tua Tonga Vailoa had his first win, his first start of his young career. Um, Russell Wilson is still killing it. He's, you know, atop my MVP list. I do have a running back in the MVP list, that being Derrick Henry. I don't think he's getting the love that he deserves. Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, uh, and, of course, Pat Mahomes are on that MVP list. Uh, Pittsburgh is still the lone undefeated team in the NFL. So we talked about that in the last segment. Talked a lot about Clemson and how they looked in uh, their win, their narrow victory against uh, the Boston College Eagles at home. Talked a little bit about Notre Dame and Clemson's matchup next week. And uh, just to wrap up the college football talk, <laughs> I'm laughing because I saw UNC go down at UVA this past weekend. And what I didn't understand about the UNC hype heading into the season was, like, I would just why? Like, why? Because they have a good quarterback? I mean, come on, man. That's really all that people were basing things off because Sam Howell is that dude. And, you know, I get it. He deserves the hype. But after a 7-6 and six finish in 2019, come on. Like, come on. Everybody likes to rag on Miami. Look at how they beat Miami. They barely escaped with Miami, uh, a victory against Miami by the skin of their teeth. All right? It took a miraculous 4th and 17 conversion to get that done. Okay. Like I said, they finished seven and six. That seventh win was in a bowl game. And, I mean, I just I, – I didn't understand the hype. They lose at UVA. Their defense is looking like hot garbage, okay? Um, and they're, they're not – they're no longer ranked. They started the season ranked fifth. In the, oh, I'm sorry. They didn't start the season ranked fifth. I'm sorry. They're up to 
uh, number five ranking in the season so far. This team has lost to Florida State, who only has two wins, one of them coming against Jacksonville State. And they had to come back and win against that one, against that team. And then now, you know, they lose to UVA, who Miami beat, okay? But UVA put up 40-plus on these guys. And that's another thing that UNC was supposed to, you know, have things figured out was uh, on the defensive end. And I just, I don't understand. Preseason rankings mean nothing. I forget preseason rankings. It's like, who, did you watch games at all last year? I mean, for crying out loud, I, I that UNC's talk, that kind of got to me. But uh, Bama rolls, and like I said, they're to me, they're the best, they're the best, uh, they're the best team in the in, in the nation, man. They really are. Uh, Joey Galloway, Joey Galloway, and Jesse Palmer consider them to have consider Alabama to have the best offense in the country, which is surprising, considering you see what Clemson is doing. Um, and they they put up five they rolled up five hundred yards of offense on what those guys consider to be the best defense in the country in 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 Georgia. So, you know, Bama rolls on Nick Saban's birthday, forty one to nothing against Mississippi State, a Mike Leach team which is crazy. I don't know if I've ever seen a Mike Lee's team get shut out, but uh, that happened. Um, and before I get into the right, well, actually, yeah, let's get into the rankings really quick because they were released and then I'll let you know what my top five is. But in terms of, uh, of the rankings in college football, so Clemson's number one and, you know, I disagree with that because I already told you guys who I feel the best team in the country is. But uh, Clemson, number one, Bama, number two, Ohio State, three, Notre Dame, four, Georgia, five, followed by Cincinnati, Texas A&M, Florida, BYU at nine, and Wisconsin rounds out the top ten. You got Miami at 11, Oregon, 12, Indiana, who's undefeated at 2-0, and Oklahoma State drops from 8th to 14th, Coastal Carolina, Climbs five spots to 15. You got Marshall, Iowa State, uh, SMU, OU at 19, USC rounds at the top 20. And then for the final five spots of the top 25, you got Boise State, Texas, Michigan, Auburn, and Liberty. All right. Who enters the rankings along with Auburn. Uh, they were unranked last week. But my top five is nothing like Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Georgia. It's not like that in my eyes. For me, the top five, and I'll, I'll give it an explanation, is as follows. Bama number one, for reasons I just named. Clemson, I think, is the easiest uh, bet at number two, although um, we really don't know what Ohio State is made out of. Yes, they just beat Penn State on the road at Happy Valley. I get it. But, uh, you know, they just started playing. Clemson has has shown more. They have shown more, period. And so I do have Ohio State as a third best team in the country. And I got UVA at five, I'm sorry, UGA at five. Nowhere in there is Notre Dame because after that piss poor performance at home against Louisville a couple weeks ago, they should have dropped. And yes, I know Georgia lost that same weekend, okay? But if you guys listen to the show the following Monday after Notre Dame got lucky and won at home, luck of the Irish, uh, I referenced a 2005 game in which uh, number one ranked USC travels to South Bend, wins against the number nine Notre Dame team, 34 to 31, the Bush push game. But Notre Dame played so well in that game, okay, 
that they didn't budge in the rankings. When the rankings came out the following day, they stayed put at number nine. This is exactly what I felt should what I felt should have happened to UGA because yes, they did lose. I think the final score was forty-one to twenty-four that same weekend to uh, to Alabama, which is the number two team in the country. UGA was number three, so number one they lost to a team that was ranked one spot ahead of them. Okay, a top two team in the country, and this was a top three game in in the country at that time. All right. Uh, they lost by double digits. They got shut out in the second half, but they still lost to the number two team in the country. All right. But Notre Dame won at home. What was it? Like 12 to nine or 12 to six against the Louisville Cardinal team that they were supposed to have blown out. So I, I, I'm not trying to hear that. I'm not trying to hear that. I, I think Georgia should have got the same treatment that Notre Dame did in 2005, but there's that Notre Dame bias and I'm not crazy. When I say that, I don't think I'm the only one with that, you know, that says it or sees it, but uh, it's there. But that's my top five, you know, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and UGA. And um, I don't know where Notre Dame will rank in my top 10, but I think there's a lot of teams that can beat them, Miami included. So that's that. Uh, another last note of college football before I go ahead and turn it over to Kane's football talk is that uh, the Pac-12 they are back in action this Saturday, and there are a few notable games to uh, to go ahead and watch. That being Arizona State will be visiting the Coliseum. They face off against the Trojans. That's going to be at noon Eastern. The Trojans are ranked 21st in the country as it stands. You got Arizona at Utah, UCLA at Oregon. I'm sorry, UCLA at uh, Colorado in Boulder. Stanford at number 14, Oregon should be a good one. That's prime time, 7:30 on ABC. And uh, Washington State travels to Oregon State. And then you got Washington at California, 1030 on ESPN. I cannot wait to stay up all night watching West Coast games again. Thank God. Thank God. That's what I miss most about college football. And ladies and gentlemen, by the way, you're listening. If you're just now tuning into the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio. With that being said, my Hurricanes, they are back in action after a bye week. They go ahead and they travel to NC State, a game that I will be calling for WVUM. So I'm excited about that. It's a Friday kickoff. Miami is on prime time again. And uh, that's like, what, the third time, fourth time this season? I don't even know. But Miami's been on everybody's uh, on everybody's TV screen in, in prime time a bunch of times so far this season. So Miami 5-1, third in the ACC behind Clemson. And I hate to say it, Notre Dame. It just pisses me off that they're even part of a conference this year. Uh, this year, like, you know, they have a choice to do that. It's just ridiculous with those guys. But NC State, man, coming uh, coming off of uh, – this is a team that puts up a lot of points, all right? They're without their starting quarterback, which I believe has, uh, like, a broken leg or something like that. But, um, you know, they, they, they put up points. NC State goes up, and, and they do that. They uh, – yeah, in their last five games, all right, they lost 48-21 to 21 against UNC. All right, I get it. But 31-20 um, to 20 before that against Duke, all right? 38-21 uh, to 21 before that at UVA. 30-29 to 29 at Pittsburgh. They beat a tough Pittsburgh team. And they did lose to Virginia Tech on the road 45-24 to 24 back in September, all right? 
Um, but still, you know, they put up points. They 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 move the ball very well. Uh, but their defense is kind of soft. All right, so they do average 392 yards a game offensively. All right, they score 31 and a half points per game. They allow 34 points a game. In the air, they average 260 on the ground, 131, but they allow 447 yards a game, damn near 450 yards a game. Um, a lot of Canes fans thought that UVA would have been the perfect remedy to get the offense back on track, but that game just ended up being like the last several years uh, versus UVA, very tight, very low scoring, a defensive struggle. And you know what? It is what it is. So I will not be surprised if it's the same with this with this game. I mean, you just you could you could just never tell. That's exactly why I was saying, um, you know, I expect Clemson to put a number on Notre Dame, but you just never know. You just never know. That's that's the beauty of college football. That's what I love about this game. But um, yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I I, I do see the Canes winning this game. According to ESPN, they have a 67% chance to win. But what I want to see was what everybody is what every Canes fan wants to see is this running game get back on track. It hasn't been the same since Clemson, uh, since the Clemson loss at Death Valley. But even still, um, you look at and De'Ara King too, because the passing game hasn't been all that. But that's expected when you are putting all your chips in to stop the run uh, and you know leaving your receivers, Miami's receivers, to try and get open. And that's been a struggle for them the past couple of weeks. And uh, even Manny Diaz came out and said that, you know what, we're going to scrap the depth chart and whoever shows it in practice is going to be, those are going to be our guys. And so it was kind of an ultimatum to, for guys like Pope and Wiggins and Harley. And Harley's coming off a career game a couple of weeks ago versus UVA with 10 catches and like a buck 30-something in the air. Uh, receiving, I should say. So we'll see, man. Uh, we, we didn't get to see the younger guys because a couple of them you know, were unavailable, uh, I think, due to positive COVID test results. But we'll see. Um, on the year, Mike Harley is the Miami leading receiver with 27 receptions for 344 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Cameron Harris is Miami's leading, re I'm sorry, running rusher, I should say, 66 carries for 346 yards and five touchdowns. Like I said, he's been slowed. But guys in, you know, behind him, they're being productive. And uh, don't make me pull out receipts, ladies and gentlemen, but I tweeted uh, several, several, several months ago, and this is me not throwing any shade at all to Cameron Harris. I love the guy. I love all 305 running backs. Trust me. But I did say that I felt Don Chaney was going to be starting by midseason. That has yet to happen. Who knows if it is. But if it does... Listen to your boy. I mean, that's just – I just had that feeling about Cam – I'm sorry, about uh, Don Chaney. The guy is as good as advertised. But um, – and then uh, the other leader from Miami in terms of offense, you obviously it's De'Ari King. Uh, on the season, 111 – I'm sorry, 112 completed passes to 183 attempts, 1,401 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, and four interceptions, looking good in that regard. Four interceptions in six games, I'll take it. And so Miami's chugging along, man. If if you look at it, Miami, I, I don't want to say controls their own destiny because they obviously need help ahead of them to get back to the ACC championship game. Obviously, the last time they did that was back in 2017. 
uh, and they lost to Clemson. But um, Miami's schedule is, is is favorable, when especially when you look at the fact that they've played the two toughest defenses that they're going to face in Pittsburgh and Clemson. Okay, you got NC State who gives up a lot of yardage. I, in my opinion, I this is not uh, due to recency bias and how UNC has been looking lately. But I said when I saw the schedule come out that the game at Lane Stadium on November the 14th is going to be a lot more difficult and a lot – it's going to weigh a lot more on Miami's schedule and, you know, how things shake out in the end of the year than, than that UNC game is on December 5th to close out this regular season at home from Miami. So you got NC State on the road, followed by Virginia Tech on the road. Then you come back home November 21st. Uh, to play Georgia Tech, then you go to Wake Forest on the 28th of November, and then obviously you close out the season at home December 5th uh, against UNC. Um, I do expect Miami to win this game. Miami should go over 30 points. Miami should be able to move the ball at will, but this defense has got to get back on track too, man. Um, There's been a lot of talk about the linebackers, so we'll see how that shakes out. And... um, We'll see. Miami can very much run the table. They can very much run the table uh, with how things are looking uh, in terms of their schedule. And we all know that the ACC is good for having a team sneaking up and biting Miami in the ass. So we'll see if that happens. Um, five and one. They've won the games that they've supposed to win. And that one game that they were supposed to lose, they've lost. And that's the difference between this year's Miami team and teams of you know, the past. Miami is good for losing games that they're not supposed to, but that hasn't been the case yet this season, so we'll see. Um, I'm out of time for this segment, and we'll be back with Alex Shariari talking with some NBA talk in the next one, so just keep it locked. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM, Channel 145, Slam Radio. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show, only on Sirius XM, 145, Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. I mean, really, it really apologist. comes down to... I'm going to make an apologist image for you, bro, because everything that I say, you like, oh, but LeBron had to do this, and he had to jump over a car. Isn't LeBron the king? And again, LeBron jump over the Empire State Building? Probably good, but why Probably. would he do it? But why doesn't he jump over the Empire State Building to win a slam dunk contest? Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, guys, thank you very much for sticking around with me throughout that last break. You've been listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. And as promised, we are going to get into some NBA talk, of course. And for those of you, by the way, that may have 
been following me uh, throughout my WVUM days, you know the name Alex Shariari. And if you don't, he'll be, he is on with us right now. And uh, this guy knows his stuff, man. I, I trust his basketball intuition like no other. He knows his stuff. He's like an encyclopedia when you ask him about, you know, numbers and, 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 and uh, contracts and things of that nature. He knows his stuff, and I really, really am glad to have him back on the show. Alex, man, how you been? How you doing? How you been, Mike? How's everything? Can't complain, man. I'm glad to have you on the show. Likewise, man. Glad to be on the show, man. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so, man, let's get right into it, man, because uh, even with no basketball being played for the past few weeks, there's still some basketball news to talk about and i'm really excited to talk about it with you because like i said in in, excuse me in the introduction you know what they would do about uh round ball so in terms of the off season the really something i really wanted to get you know out of your out of you is what so far in the off season has you the most excited or what is it that you're looking forward to the most in the off season uh, for me, it's going to be probably some of the moves that these uh, teams in the upper echelon, the league, make. You've heard a lot of teams like the Clippers trying to potentially make a move, maybe move Paul George. You heard uh, maybe even Jalen Brown being moved from by the Boston Celtics. So I would like to see other teams besides, let's say, um, besides a team like the Bucks, who are desperate to make a move. I want to see another team kind of challenge the Lakers right now, who are probably my favorites to repeat next year. Yeah, yeah, I can't blame you with that. I mean, I mean, depending on what happens, of course, but, I mean, as it is right now, the Lakers, and we'll see. And they didn't even have, um, oh, God, I'm drawing a blank. What's his name that decided Avery, to... Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley. There we go. Avery Bradley. He didn't even play in a restart, so... That's, a, that's like a free agent addition to, you know, to them once they start back next season. But I don't know how much how much fuel there is behind this one. But uh, I heard something about the Mavs potentially looking to make a move for Giannis. How does that make any sense to you? Does that have any type of uh, uh, any type of, of of gas behind it, for lack of a better phrase? Um, financially, technically, it could happen. I, I mean... It's easier to pull that off than even a Warriors uh, acquisition um, because like teams like the Mavs and the Heat, they have the cap space to go after, um, after to be honest, because there's some of the rookie contracts I have because right now Lucas still on his rookie contract. Guys like Kendrick Nunn, right. Matabayo, these guys are still, their cap figures are much lower than they should be right now. Uh, in 2022, you can see a spike in their cap figures, but for the time being, they do, yeah. I mean, I could see, especially with the European connection they have in Dallas, I could see perhaps a move like that happening. It depends, I think, on how well Dallas performs this year. I think a conference finals or maybe a second-round matchup going seven games would have to happen for Giannis to consider a team like that. Okay. No, I, I don't blame you. I feel like he's probably going to stay put, but, I mean, we've mm. seen crazier things and, you know, of whatever, course. but um, so what's been dominating, I should say, the NBA headlines has been, you know, these coaching moves that have been going down. And I want to, because I, I, I have my opinion as to one that is the most interesting to me. But I want to ask you, which is the one that made you say, oh, okay. Which is the one that made your eyes pop out of your eye sockets even more than the other ones did? Um, I mean, 
in terms of that, in terms of just surprise, Steve Nash surprised me because it really didn't make any sense to me. But um, I, in terms of actual surprise, in terms of very impressed, I, I did like what the Knicks made that move. I know you, you're a big Tom Thibodeau fan. I do uh, like the acquisition, especially because they're trying to build culture in New York right now, and that right. team has been miserable over the last twenty or twenty plus years. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, it's weird because you see the Knicks make that move, and then you see the Nets, who are supposed to be a potential title contender of sorts, making that sort of move. It, it seems like the vice versa of what what should have happened. Actually. Right. That's true. That's true. Because I mean, I mean, let's break that down. You have an established coach, a guy that. When he was not so much with Minnesota, but at least when he was with Chicago, many people consider him to be maybe a top, I don't know, six, seven coach in the league. Obviously, that was a long time ago, and this is now. But um, you, and, and, and it was a surprise to me because you're expecting, like you said, a team that is on the verge of competing or competing, maybe they'll bring somebody that's kind of been there, done that in terms of experience. They're bringing in a guy that's never coached a college game, a high school game, but a guy that did come in highly recommended by Kevin Durant because he was, Steve Nash was obviously uh, like a consultant of some sorts with the Warriors, you know, throughout their run. So, I mean, if he was highly recommended by by KD, obviously Kyrie's not going to have an issue with that. Then, okay, and then the kicker comes when his former coach, Mike D'Antoni, which is no longer with the Rockets, was brought on as an assistant. So we have an idea what kind of offense we're going to see from the from the Nets. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the Anthony hire is basically a, a backup plan. I think if Nash survives his first season, and I, I hope he does, but there's a good chance that the Anthony might take the reins earlier than people might think, because I don't, especially because they also signed uh, Ime Duka. He used to be uh, uh, another head coach in the league as well. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Nash might succeed. I hope he does. Me Derek too. Fisher didn't. I mean, I don't really see the qualification just being a former player and just jumping straight to coachhood. Right. Uh, at least being an assistant somewhere for a short period of time. You saw with Juwan Howard as the coach of Michigan. You saw it with a bunch of NBA players right now with um, uh, Malik Allen on the Heat. Chris Quinn right now is an assistant yep. coach for the Heat. They might down the line get a head coaching gig, but Two months ago, two or three months ago, I was watching Champions League and I saw Steve Nash doing coverage for that. So on Bleacher Report. So that's where he was two or three months ago. Now he's a coach of a team that's supposed to be a top five team in the league. I don't, I think it's a pretty weird and I don't think that's going to pay off for them, to be honest. I know, man. I mean, that's, I don't know. I, like you said, I'm rooting for him. They definitely have uh, some nice pieces, you know, coming back. Uh, you got Levert. There's some free agents you got to wonder if they're going to hold on to. Um, mm-hmm. What's his name from 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 Virginia? That three point shooter. I always yeah. forget his name. Joe Harris. There we Joe go. Harris I think he's on the. I think he's on the. He's. I think he might be on the way season. out. Yeah. And um, so we'll see. And I, the other mm-hmm. thing is, I'm really hoping we see a 100% healthy KD. I mean, I know that people say, "Oh, you may not see the full KD until next season." This may be him getting his feet wet again. I hope that's not the case, but um, I, I just hope we don't see like an 80% KD for the rest of his career because of that injury. True. Same thing goes with uh, Kyrie. I know Kyrie um, is not the same type of injury, but 
the collection of injuries he's collected throughout his career, I hope it doesn't really hinder his game because his game is really based on his speed and his athleticism. Right. Um, and it'd be a real shame. Same thing goes with even Karis LeVert. The guy has had two ACL tears, I believe, since his college days. Right. So it's, it's just a team that is, like, prone to injuries. But if they can get their, their things together, they, they can really be a good team, I think. Okay. So let's move on. Wait, what? Ahead, but even, Chicago, even your Chicago Bulls, I think they probably have one of the better coaching highs of the entire offseason than Billy, Billy Donovan. It was it's funny you bring them up because I wasn't. <laughs> but um when when you know when the rumors started happening with Billy's, you know, about Billy leaving OKC, I um, automatically said to myself, that's the guy that I want. Like as a Bulls fan, that's the guy that I want. But then you know, a couple of weeks later, Doc Rivers happens, and I'm like, man, the Bulls made their move a little too early. But then when I started to look back, and I was like, you know what, Doc is probably never going to coach for Chicago because he wants to coach for a winner. And um, I think my Bulls are way, way further away than just a Billy Donovan hire. I think they need to scrap a lot of that roster. I mean, I know you're a Larry Marketing guy. You like him a lot. But um, I don't know, man. I, I just think they're so far away that even with their pick this year, I hope they trade it for assets because you, I think you've heard me say this before, when it's in any sport, when a team sucks so bad, there's nothing that one draft pick is going to do for you. So trade it for pieces. That's how I feel. We'll see. Um, How how do you see that? Um, In terms of this year, um, I believe they have the fourth overall pick. Uh, I could be wrong on that. They might have like a fourth. I know they have a top five pick. I'm sure of that. I'll check it. I mean, if I'm them, um, I would actually try to maybe move Larry Markkinen. Right now, his value has been depleting. Um, maybe you see – I think they, they'll give him to the deadline because he's also due for a contract soon. Mm-hmm. I believe he's still – he's the same uh, draft class as Dan. So, 2021 is going to be his uh, last year of his uh, contract. Um, I would like to see him in – Donovan's system, I think he can kind of mirror what um, the Neil Gallinari did this year for the Thunder okay. at the four position and the stretch okay. four. Um, it would be interesting to see what type of player they draft. Uh, a guy they've been connected to, I've seen a lot, is Obi Toppin from Dayton, um, who's perhaps one of my favorite players this entire draft. Yeah. It kind of it does it kind of overlaps with a guy like Markinen's position. But maybe you can move on to three and kind of get have a really physical front um, front three up front. But um, yeah, it should be interesting to see what they do, even uh, how they transition with Kobe White as their future starting point guard going forward. He shut me up a lot last year. I I really didn't like the pick. I was hoping for something else. But he's playing well. He's a good player. So um, and to answer your question, yes, the Bulls have the fourth pick. And just to recap that. And by the way, you're listening to the Michael McCoy show on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio with my buddy Alex Shariari talking some hoops. Um, but to just to recap the first uh, the first 10 picks of the draft, it's Minnesota, Golden State, the Hornets, the Bulls, the Cavs, the Hawks at six, Detroit seven, the Knicks, uh, the Wiz, and then you got the Suns at 10. So that's that. But um, I wanted to ask you about Doc Rivers, man, because – I don't know if you remember, and I'm way wrong on this <laughs> so far, but a couple years ago when we were doing Hurricane Warning, um, I think it may have been Ben's rookie year sometime around that, or maybe his second year, I can't remember. But I would say that that guy's going to be the face of the NBA. 
and I said it's going to be him over Giannis, and that's that take is not going so hot right now. But that uh, hire that they made by Doc Rivers, I thought that that was exactly what that organization needed because, in my opinion, that's going to dead all of the rumors of um, of Embiid wanting out, and they need a structure. I hope Doc provides that, and we'll see, you know, what other offseason moves they have, you know, in their back pocket, but I thought that was perfect for them, and I'm not saying that automatically catapults them, but uh, when you have structure and you have a guy that's been there, done that before, I think that goes a long way. How did you feel about that move? Um, I do, I do agree with it. Uh, you're for what you're saying right now because they do need structure. That team was a mess. I really despised their previous head coach, Brett Brown. Honestly, I think he was really under. He was undermining their entire their entire progress. I, I know Elton Brand's not a great GM, but Brett Brown wasn't doing him any favors with how he was using some of the assets that yeah. he had acquired. Yeah, guys like Al Horford, Josh Richardson, uh, even guys like. Um, forgetting his name right now the, the turkish shooter off the bench and i forgot his name too so, yeah but they have so many shooters they had uh, so many shooters off the bench they didn't uh, um put into the lineup they let guys like jj reddit go there's some so many moves here and there letting guys like bellinelli and Ilyasova walk out yeah. the door there's so many moves I, like that's why i was surprised they actually kept elton brand but um, yeah, I think this move really kind of saves Elton Brand's job, at least for the time being. Yeah. Uh, it would be interesting to see what type of moves they make in the offseason. I've heard Victor Oladipo, but I've also heard Victor Oladipo connected to every single team in the league yeah. right now, <laughs> besides my Heat. But um, it should be interesting to see what they do. And I think this year's development in terms of Ben Simmons is going like, to basically predict where this team is going to go in the long run. I'm a really big fan of his. I'm really hoping. I that, remember. Yeah, man. I just. I remember I was the opposite. I was a Donovan Mitchell fan at the time. And that boy's tearing it up, too. We got to talk about him in a little yeah. bit because the Jazz, they their ownership, they went ahead and sold that team. But, um, I mean, with Philly, man, they, they – my and you know how much of a Jimmy Butler fan I am from his days in Chicago. So all this time, I'm thinking that they made the absolutely the absolute wrong moves, along with how you felt, because I think maybe you've heard me say this before, but I always thought that the move for them, and it hurts me to say this, because like I said, I'm a Jimmy, Jimmy Butler fan, but the move for them in my head was move Jimmy. Move Jimmy, because on that roster, they had a poor man's Jimmy, and not to talk any crap about, um. oh God, why am I drawing blank so far? It was uh, it's it was Jimmy, it was Simmons, it was Embiid, and who was the the, the other starter that they had? Uh, oh, uh, Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris. Tobias For Harris. me, Tobias Harris is a cheaper version of 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 Jimmy Butler. He can do the same things he can. So I'm thinking, let this this quote unquote star go in Jimmy, and get some shooters to help Redick out, or you know whatever, because that was what their starting lineup was. He demands the ball less, and I don't know, mm. but it never happened. That's how I felt about that, but. We gotta we, we gotta take a quick break and come right back, pay some bills because there's definitely a lot more that Alex and I wanna get into. Talk about a little bit more coaching moves, maybe a little bit about the draft, but just keep it locked right there and we'll be back on the other side of the break and listening to the Michael McCoy show on Sirius XM channel one forty five Slam Radio. You're listening to the Michael McCoy show only on Sirius XM one four five Slam Radio. Why was the basketball court all wet? 
Because the players kept dribbling on it. <laughs> the dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. So that Never one makes a little more sense. Backwards, not even to get... How do you even, like... Well, hold on. That might be actually difficult to... Para atrás ni para coger impulso. Don't even go back a step, to, even if it's just to go forward. It seems Always like it's a long forward. explanation. Yeah, it's hard it to... It seems like you have to write... Forward. It sounds like two, 250 words. Explain this sentence. That phrase needs an instruction manual. <laughs> Morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit stoptextsstoprex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for sticking around with Alex and myself throughout that last break. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. So to round out the show, the last segment, we're going to just pick it up where we left off. And we're talking about some coaching moves and, you know, the offseason so far in the NBA. And, um... So, yeah, we were talking about Doc Rivers, Steve Nash. So the other move that was uh, pretty big, I feel, was Ty Lue taking over the reins for the Clippers. And I'm going to tell you right right from jump, man, I didn't like the move. I didn't like the move, and I'll tell you why. But um, tell me how you felt about it first, Alex. I didn't like the move either. I don't think he's a good coach. <laughs> what was that? I don't think he's a good coach. I, I despise the move, honestly. Wow, wow. Yeah, I just yeah. – I don't have anything against him. I don't think he was elig- – I don't think he should have gone the Lakers job too because they – remember he was offered that coaching yeah. Yeah, coaching gig the year before. Yep. Had, I think, Ty Lue been a coach at the time this year for the Lakers, I don't think the Lakers would have won at all. This is my thing with him. And, I, and you know what? I can't even argue that. I can't even argue that. But this is my thing. With Cleveland – yeah, he's going to get the credit to be the coach of the 73 that beat the 73 win team and the Golden State Warriors down from 3 1, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I, I just didn't see him having full control of that team. To me, LeBron was the end all. And I mean, Ty Lue was a good fit, I feel, because yeah, LeBron wanted him and maybe they had some, some history prior, but, uh, I, I just I, I don't know, man. I, I I I was hoping that they would bring somebody with more experience because to me, he 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 was probably a lazy hire, an easier pick in terms of uh, an easier pick to be the coach in terms of uh, 
a player's coach, and that's who the guys wanted. I'm not saying he doesn't know his stuff, but he hasn't done anything in my eyes to warrant having that position. I agree with you 100%. This team, it, if you thought the, the Clippers were a mess this year, especially in the playoffs, you haven't seen anything yet. Oh, because God. this year, this upcoming season, this upcoming offseason, it's gonna be a circus show oh, in, God, in the Clippers. I mean, play? I hope I hope it's not, but I, I I can only see that sort of scenario with this sort of coach, coaching hire. Another coaching hire, I, I honestly I was surprised about was was Stan Van Gundy. Why is that? Stan Van Gundy, he had one good run with the with the Magic back in the day, right? Right. With Dwight Howard in the prime Dwight Howard days, correct? Right. Then after there, you saw what he did with the Pistons. Any sort of asset they had, they kind of traded away. The thing is, Stan, he, at the end of his uh, tenure in Detroit, you saw him move around pieces. Right now, Detroit is so stuck with Blake Griffin's terrible contract. Yeah. And and it's, it's kind of a guy that you don't – right now, they didn't make him uh, like president of basketball operations. But I don't think – I'm not a huge fan of recycling these coaches. You, you get what I mean? That yeah, you don't man. need to necessarily have a coach that's coached in the league before to have success. You got, you see a guy like Nick Nurse. I'll be honest, I was, I was uh, hesitant on Nick Nurse, especially with uh, the career that um, Dwayne Casey had in Toronto. Right. But Nick Nurse is arguably a top two or three coach in the league right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you gotta give these assistants some like opportunities. The same thing goes with. Um, it's slipping my mind right now. The Utah Jazz coach, uh, Quinn Snyder. Okay. A former assistant to Jerry Sloan. You saw him get an opportunity. He's yep. been a great coach for the Jazz. That's a good point, man. You want to know what? It kind of lends to how I was feeling about Bending because I, I like Van Gundy, but mm-hmm. this is my thing with him. Um, and it's nothing negative. It's I hate when certain coaches, and I guess it happens with players too, like you get pegged a certain type of role like you take um stan van gundy like when he was with the heat he was with the heat when they were you know wage rookie year all that stuff they went to the second round and it was a it was a nice little run they had jermaine o'neal on that team odom we all remember crumb brother all that and so i feel as if owners and front offices see him as like a starter coach like a guy to get things going to get the young guys, you know, all wild up and kind of like ready for the future instead of like a finisher coach. Like this is the last piece that we need. And I hate that because I think he can be a guy that's that Philly saw in in in, in Doc Rivers, that maybe what LA clip what the Clippers see, whatever they see in Ty Lu, like that. Uh, a, a guy that's a finishing touch. I like him, and I know he really doesn't have the background to support that. I mean, like you said, he had that run with the Magic. He had a nice run with the Heat. And in the Pistons, I mean, I, I think he led them to an eight seed, at least, what was it, two years ago, right? In yeah. the playoffs. So that, that's my thing. I wish he would have gotten a, a job that was a little bit more – because he's going to be gone because the, the Pelicans aren't going to do anything. I don't think so unless they make some moves or whatever. Uh, let's say the next three years, I don't think I don't see them beating being you know world beaters or anything like that. So he's probably going to be gone, not meeting expectations. But who knows? That's that's how I feel about that. But um, Stephen Stephen Silas, my, uh, Paul Silas's son, is now the head coach of the uh, 
the Houston Rockets replacing Mike D'Antoni, and he did come off. Um, he he was an assistant coach in the league. So how do you feel about that hire? Um, that hire kind of tells me that team's gonna go in a rebuild, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, losing the head coach, losing their GM. I guess it depends on who's the following GM. I don't. I really haven't kept in touch in terms of who they're hiring as their potential GM and some of the candidates in that in that talks right now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it seems like you get bringing a young head coach. Mm-hmm. You kind of want to build around maybe some young assets you have on a team. Maybe Robert Covington. I think they could. You could see a guy like Russell Westbrook getting traded. Maybe not James Harden necessarily this offseason, but. I think it's it's a sign that certain guys are probably going to be on the move, and they probably do the same sort of transition that the OKC Thunder did, as they kind of moved on from Russell Westbrook yeah. and kind of started anew. I'm scared for him, and and I'll tell you why. And by the way, he comes in with high regard, not just because of his dad, but because around the league players they hold him in high regard, they respect him. But I'm scared for him because I think he can his career can be easily broken. Uh, coaching a guy like Harden, maybe not so much Westbrook, but Harden, okay? I mean, you're talking about two former MVPs, uh, two guys that need the ball, this, that, whatever. So is it going to be, uh, listen to me, coach? Oh, I'm sorry. Is it, yeah, is it going to be a Harden saying, listen to me, coach? Or is it going to be a coach saying, look, guys, listen to me? Like, I just wonder how the respect factor is going to lie there. And I hope he gets it. I hope he's earned it. And, you know, we'll see about that. And uh, I'm listening to the Michael McCoy show here on Sirius XM channel 145 slam radio. I'm here with my buddy, Alex Shariari. We're just chopping it up, talking some hoops. Um, let's talk about the draft, man. Uh, to me, it's, it's not the, it's an underwhelming draft to say the least. And so, um, you know, the, the, the Wolves got the first pick. The Warriors are the most, are, are, other than the Bulls, obviously at four. But that Warriors pick at two, knowing what the Warriors have coming back health-wise, a healthy Curry, a healthy Clay, Dre's coming back. I'm one of those people that do not feel like this team is done, okay? Obviously, not having KD back, big deal. But this team, in my opinion, healthy, and depending on what they do with this pick, is even without a pick. Those, just those three guys, their original trio that won, you know, the NBA championship for the first time in, what was it, 2015, uh, I think they're a problem for the Lakers in the West. How do you feel about that? Am I full of crap? What? Um, I agree with you. I don't think this team is uh, out. And I think they should keep the pick. I don't think you should mortgage your future like that. Okay. Let's say you don't regain that same status. Let's say you're not better than Lakers. Don't do a move that's going to be a short-term move because if you look at the ages of guys like clay draymond and curry they're in their 30s right now I right mean, they're kind of pushing out of their primes don't get me wrong they're probably great players and gonna be multiple time all-stars moving forward but it's in the next 10 years 10 years from now you're not gonna have any of those three you go know i mean you need to develop guys for the future found them I, I i look at a guy like james wiseman um, from Memphis at center at the center mm-hmm. position mm-hmm. as a potential as a potential star going forward. I do like his game. Um, I've heard Lamelo Ball connected to them at two. Oh, God no! It kind of overlaps with some of the guards they have, but it would make sense. I, it's another playmaker, and that, that their offense really doesn't need necessarily a center. 
Right. And having three or four playmakers, I know they added Andrew Wiggins last uh, at the last trade deadline. That's a decent move. I think Wiggins can improve. I think he already had, he had reached his ceiling in terms of what he could do in Minnesota. Yeah. Hopefully a, a move to Golden State could kind of open up his career heading forward. I really like that Wiggins move because before KD – the Warriors, they weren't, they were not a super athletic team. They won. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know how they won. Spacing, great ball movement, and shooting like we've never ever seen before. So then you add KD and it's like, oh my God. And so and Iggy was probably their best athlete. And that wasn't Iggy, that wasn't Iggy's uh in his athletic prime. But um, you had a guy like Wiseman who is not gonna need the ball. He's a rookie, he's gonna play off ball, he's gonna be. Uh, a big, I'm not going to say it's going to stop AD because nobody stops that, but one thing's for sure, if you're going to win the NBA title and you're going to, you have to go past LA, you're going to need some height. And the Heat found that out. Like that was one of the issues that were probably the biggest issue that they encountered facing them, even if they were healthy, but you're going to need some height because you got Dwight, if he comes back and Dwight's another name that popped up, well, they may land over uh, with the Warriors, but I agree. I, I think that Wiseman, would be the pick to make. And um, yeah, man, I, 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 I would like to see them be back up top because there's just certain teams, at least right now, uh, that I want to see back. I want to see them back. Uh, the Knicks aren't going to be back anytime soon, but the Knicks, I, I like when they're good. Um, who else? Obviously my Bulls, but that's, I, I, the Bulls are so bad addicts. I don't even like talking about them anymore. I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious, but um, we'll see how it works out. The Spurs have the 11th pick. And that's a team, man, that, wow, like, they, I think, what, they missed the playoffs for the first time in, like, forever this past season. So that's another team. Yeah. But um, let's talk about your Heat, man. What are they looking to do in the offseason in terms of the draft? Because if I'm looking at it right now, they have, they have the 20th pick. Pretty good considering the team that reached the finals. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But um, I don't know. I really don't know what they're going to do with the pick. Um, as of now, I think they're going to keep the pick. I think if in the next couple of weeks, because I believe the draft is mid-November, if I'm correct, probably in the next two or three weeks. Um, depending on if anything pops up, they might trade the pick. I've heard scenarios with uh, the Pacers, perhaps uh, Kendrick Nunn, Kelly Olenek, and 20th overall package for a guy like Victor Oladipo. Okay. Um, I'm not sure that he'd make that move right now. I think they're going to probably be hesitant to do that just because, first off, they can get Victor Oladipo for free, basically, in the next offseason. Right. Uh, they could do that. They could also – they might be hesitant to trade for a guy like Oladipo. I know he had a good uh, bubble, but you're not sure how his health is going to look in the next year or two. Right. Um, I mean, I, I've looked at some scenarios. I could see them drafting a point to replace Goron for the long term. I could see them going big. You, we saw the disadvantage they had in the NBA Finals. Maybe draft a guy like a Vernon Carey Jr., uh, a Jalen Smith out of, out of Maryland. They try to shore up that position. They could go a lot of different ways. But I think that at the end of the day, they're going to take whoever their guy is. That's what they've kind of done in the last two drafts. They right. didn't really take need. They just took talent. And yeah. they did a good job with that. with taking Tyler Hero and Ben Montebayo. Came out of nowhere. Um, 
what does Bradley Beal fit into all of this? Because there's a couple of names. I mean, you mentioned Oladipo. Giannis, I read a, a headline that's saying the Heat are going to go full-court press on him. But <clears throat> what is uh, Bradley Beal falling? How do you feel about that potentially happening? I don't see that happening. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't think that's a realistic uh, scenario. Just because the package that the Wizards would even want, I don't think the Heat are willing to offer that sort of package. I think even a Tyler Hero package would not be enough because I think other teams like Denver might be offering more than that. I think other teams around the league might be offering twice the package perhaps. Wow. We just don't know the names of these teams right now, but behind the scenes there are moves being made. And I think Miami wants to keep that flexibility. They'd rather go Giannis over Bradley Beal. And if you trade for Bradley Beal, you've, you've eliminated your chance to getting Giannis. Of course. Because of how the cap would work, it, it'd be close to zero, the chances. There is a guy that, as of this past week, uh, Heat Twitter has been um, has been clamoring for, and that's been Darren Fox. I heard that he um, stole his home. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a type of guy, I think, that guy would fit in under the cap. If you trade for, let's say you send a Tyler Hero package, correct? And you keep the rest of the guys, let's say Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, and Jimmy Butler, you still would have cap space with Darren Fox cap hit to still sign a guy, a guy like Giannis. That's a scenario I could see him. This guy's that cap hit has to be basically lower than twenty million dollars, which is tough to like tough to do right now because guys like Drew Holiday, Victor Oladipo, these are all guys that are going to be want more than that yearly, which is why Miami can't really add two guys necessarily that offseason. It's going to have to be a guy making something in the teams as well as Giannis' max if they were to acquire two guys like that. Got it. Got it. Wow. Yeah, man, I, I saw that he sold his home, and then uh, maybe a couple of days before that, I saw some connections to the Heat, and forget financially. I think that's a guy that would fit schematically as well because, I mean, he'd do a great job of just incorporating that – that that uh positionless basketball and that's a guy that could just play all over the place obviously um in on the perimeter but he's electric he's exciting to watch and we'll see man but yeah the draft will be a couple of weeks away and um i appreciate i appreciate you coming on the show man hopefully on draft night or uh after the draft we could talk about some more hoops how's that sound sounds good man all right man i really appreciate you coming on it's been a while but ladies and gentlemen we're out of time and that's pretty much it this week for the michael mccoy show uh, join us next week, same time, same place. And I appreciate you tuning in. Everybody stay safe. And um, it's already November. Oh, my God, it's November. Wow. <laughs> in any event, man, stay safe, everyone, and uh, I'll catch you next week. The views and opinions expressed on The Michael McCoy Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.